Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. So Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, it says this, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. And she said, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Pretty logical thing to tell Jesus, right? Like, it's not, hey, how's your day going? Or, hey, did you watch the Duke UNC game last night? Um, it's like, hey, no, I, I, I need you. I need you to heal my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. More on that in a moment. He, Jesus, did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away. For she is crying out after us. She can't get to Jesus. He's not saying a word. So she's going after his disciples. And the disciples are like, "Uh uh-uh, not today, lady. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, I just need some help. That could be the most powerful prayer you pray today. Lord, I just need some help. He answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. It's it's not right to take what belongs to Israel right now and throw it to the non-Jewish people. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Come on, somebody. How many of you have a dog in the house? I envy the fact that you don't have to sweep your floor. I envy the fact that you don't have to get the vacuum cleaner out. But you also got to clean up the other things, right, that he contributes to the family. Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I want to speak from the subject today. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. Turn to your neighbor real quick and tell him, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. How many of you grew up playing sports, college sports, high school sports, recreational sports? Let's see. Let's see the athletes in the room. Come on, somebody. We got to start a softball league or something here. I grew up playing sports as well. It was church and sports and and growing up with Michael and my brothers and my parents. Not a lot of education, just a lot of church and a lot of sports. And I remember being pretty talented, especially with basketball and soccer. And I'll never forget my dad. He wanted to take me to um, the elite level, like the the, the traveling league uh, of soccer. And so I went to do a tryout with this team. And I was so pumped, so energetic. And I got to the tryout. I got to engage with the team. I got to do all of the drills. And I was doing pretty good. I made all the right passes. I made all the right runs. I was in the position that I needed to be. And it was a pretty good experience. Then we had a scrimmage where we played 11 on 11. And my team won 1 to 0. And can you take a wild guess at who scored the one goal? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I scored the goal. I felt really good about the tryout, felt really good about the practice. And I go to the coach to have a conversation with them um, just to know if I've made the team. And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And, and I get to the coach and he says, Anthony, you, you played well. Hey, you scored the only goal. Good job. And I'm getting excited. I'm getting animated. And 
he says, um, unfortunately, Anthony, you're not going to make this team. And I was so confused, so heartbroken. He said, I don't think you have the pace to play. I said, I'll show you the pace to play right now, coach. But everything within me wanted to be like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. But as soon as I heard from the coach, you're not invited, you're not included, you're not going to make this team, everything within me was shocked. I could not speak. I was so confused. I was so hurt. And I went on my merry way. Similarly, in basketball, my dad, again, wanted to take me to a travel, a very private uh, team. And I don't know why, because we didn't have a lot of money growing up. But uh, he nevertheless took me to a tryout. And again, I did all the drills really well. I passed the ball when I needed to pass. I was defending like crazy. And then at the end of the tryout, each player had to shoot 20 free throws. And we were just counting to see who made the most. I made 18. Come on, somebody. Now, I know you didn't come to hear about my athletic journey, which was short-lived. But I get to the end of the tryout, and I look to the coach, and I'm all excited. I'm like, finally, here's my chance. I I nailed it. I did everything I needed to do. I made the most of my opportunity. And the coach simply said, Anthony, I don't think you're aggressive enough. You can't make this team. And I just, again, remember feeling as a teenager just so so rejected, so abused, and I had no words to respond back. Have you ever been left out? Have you ever been excluded? Have you ever felt betrayed? Have you ever felt like you weren't part of the clan? What we're reading about in this text this morning is about a woman who experiences this neglect, this exclusion, She is not a part of the house of Israel. She is a non-Jewish woman, and she is trying to make the most of her opportunity with this Jewish rabbi. And she comes to him and simply says, Jesus, put me in the game. Put me in your plan. Put me in your healing power. And what she experiences is silence from God, segregation from the people of God, dismissal from God himself. Yet it is not her faith that gives her the healing, but her faithfulness to remain consistent. We can learn something from the ladies. Can I get a witness? I thought it was going to be louder than that. We can learn something from the ladies. The loyalty and the faithfulness from the ladies is something to behold, especially in the gospels. What's important to note In this verse that we've read in verse 21, it outlines to us that Jesus traveled from the city of Gennesaret to the city of Tyre and Sidon. And Jesus has just finished a ministry uh, opportunity. He has just finished teaching and doing healings and performing miracles. And the Bible says that he travels from this city to another region. And the distance of this journey is approximately 35 miles Their means of transportation is by foot. It takes about 11 to 12 hours. So Jesus has traveled, has journeyed with his disciples for 11 to 12 hours to get to this new region. Now, we don't live in a culture that walks, right? When you show up to the golf course, are you walking with your little bag? And, you know, absolutely not, gentlemen. We're getting the cart, are we not? 
ladies, when you show up at the Target and then you got to go to Ross, which is two doors down, do you walk? Absolutely not. You get in your car and you go to the next parking lot over. Come on. Am I speaking the truth this morning? While this is the American culture, it is certainly not the culture of Jesus. It's not the culture of Israel. And what's interesting to note is that he has journeyed for 35 miles by foot, passing lands, passing, uh, I almost said pueblos, Spanish and Espanol, next service, all right? Pa passing towns, passing peoples. He is passing all of these peoples, all of this land, And the text says, behold, a Canaanite woman comes out to meet Jesus. Why is this significant? Because Jesus has passed through person after person, need after need, opportunity after opportunity. Jesus is passing them by, yet it's not till he reaches the Canaanite woman into which he performs a miracle. Why is this significant? Because we are not just beholding this woman because she is a non-Jewish person trying to get on the team. That is one aspect of why we behold her. That is one aspect as to why we pay attention because of her faith to say, I know I'm not part of the nation of Israel, but I want to be a part of the team. That is certainly an aspect. Another aspect is this. He's journeyed for hour after hour, and it wasn't until this woman was in his region that he finally had a ministry opportunity. The book of Chronicles says it this way. The eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the earth, seeking someone whose heart is blameless and bent toward him. Jesus has passed person after person after person, city after city after city. Jesus is in her region. Will he pass her by? She says, absolutely not. She will make the most of her opportunity. I'm here to declare to you this morning that Jesus is in your region. Jesus is in your city. Jesus is in your church. Jesus is in your cubicle. And when Jesus makes himself available to you, Do not let him pass you by. Come out of your house. Come out of your place. Get on your knees. Get to the altar and say, God, I need something from you. I need a healing. I need a touch. There were probably other needs. There were probably other opportunities. There were other people who also needed a touch from Jesus, yet their needs were probably very similar. Other sons and daughters probably needed healing. Other people probably needed provision. Other people probably needed their eyes to be opened or their mouths to be released so they could speak. Yet while the needs are the same as this woman, the difference is their desire. The difference is the faith. The difference is your belief. You may be in the same room with people in church and have similar needs, have similar uh, requirements that you need for, for, for a godly lifestyle or for a, a total healing. You may need the similar things from God, yet the only difference is not the need, but your desire, your faith. How is your faith this morning? Do you desire to be put into the game? And even though she requests to Jesus and says, I need you to heal my daughter. 
Jesus responds to her and says, nothing. There is absolutely no response from Jesus. She captures the moment. She makes the most of Jesus's journey. Jesus walks to her region and she says, now is my chance. The other month we were doing family photos and for many of us, that's purgatory. Um, any purgatory fans of family photos, you know, you would associate that. Okay, I'm the only one. I, I definitely don't enjoy it simply because my daughter hates the camera. Anytime she is doing something cute, anytime she is doing something fun, we take out the camera, she runs away, she hides, she does not enjoy it. So in preparation for the family photos, I'm already thinking about, okay, she's going to have a meltdown, my family's going to think I'm a terrible father, this is all going to take place, and we're end up going to leave the family photo soon. I'm already playing this. And to my surprise, my daughter not only stood still and smiled for the family photos, but she asked for solo shots of herself. She said, Dad, I want some photos by myself. She said, I want to pose. I want to smile. And I looked to Caleb, who works here at the church, the photographer. Shout out if you ever need some family photos. I looked to Caleb and I said, you better be capturing this right now. I said, I will end your photography career if you do not capture this moment. The memory card better be on, the battery better be charged, because we need to capture this moment. And I'm so thankful that we did. And in a very similar way, Jesus is journeying town after town, people after people. And she says, I will not let him pass me by. I will make the most of my moments. Will you make the most of God's presence this morning? Will you make the most of this altar this morning? Will you make the most of his presence in your life this morning? God is in your region, church. Jesus is in your region. Now, you would think that when she captures this, this moment and says to Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter, you would think that Jesus would heal her daughter. That seems like a logical thing for Jesus to do, especially when we read uh, the, the text. Even before this, Jesus has been healing. He's been performing miracles. He's been doing, he's been feeding the 5,000. He has the capacity to heal. He has the ability to heal. He has the experience of healing, and she hears the testimonies. She hears the stories. She knows that Jesus can heal. She makes the most of her moment and say, Jesus, I've got a demon-possessed daughter. I need you to heal her. Now, some of you guys have teenagers, and you would say they also are demon-possessed right now. <laughs> I was one of them. As soon as I got to the age of 24... That demon finally left. It's called maturity. All joking aside, this is a real demon possessing this daughter. She comes to Jesus and says, Lord, will you help me? You would think that this request that she makes known to God would be answered by a healing touch, by just a word. He had just, in Matthew 8, I believe, he, he was with the centurion, and the centurion told Jesus, you know, if you just say the word, it'll heal. So Jesus has this capacity. He has this pattern of healing people, yet she is responded to, not with the healing, but with silence. Jesus doesn't say a word. 
She asked for healing, and Jesus responds with silence. It's in verse 23. Jesus did not answer her a word. Have you ever experienced silence from God? Have you ever been in a season where you hear nothing from your creator? Have you ever been in a season where you show up to church, you try to make the most of it, you open your Bible, but you feel absolutely nothing? Where you're so confused, you question his reality, you question maybe his existence, you question, am I loved, am I communicated to? Why do I feel nothing from God in this moment? Can't you see I'm suffering? Can't you see I'm in pain? Can't you see I need a touch from you? What happens when the music stops and the applause ends? And you leave Sunday and you wake up on Monday and you feel absolutely nothing. What happens when there's no prayer workers at your house and you feel absolutely nothing? Your faith is tested. Your belief in God is tested. Your belief in the goodness of God is tested. Do you see my situation, Jesus? Do you feel my pain? Do you see that my daughter is not doing well? See, this is a faith church that goes beyond the noise. This is a faith church that goes beyond the hype. This is a faith church that remains committed. This is a time that in the silence from God, will your faith be put on the shelf or will your faith mature into faithfulness? Will you just have a moment of faith or a lifetime of faithfulness? The Greek word for faith, pistis, you got to be careful how you say it, but it's called pistis. And this Greek word pistis, it means both faith and faithfulness. There is no word to differentiate the two. So does she have faith? Absolutely. But more powerful than faith is faithfulness because she will not take no for an answer. She receives silence from God. And does she Retreat when she receives silence from God? Absolutely not. She continues to ask. She continues to be persistent. She continues to beg to the point where his disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we've had enough. She needs to go away. She needs to be dismissed. We need to send her away. What is it about this woman's faith? That despite the silence from God and despite the neglect and segregation from the disciples, she keeps insisting, put me in coach, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. Put me in. I need this healing. I need this touch. I need your power. And Jesus says, I was sent only lady to the lost sheep of Israel. This is not for you right now, which is hard to stomach these words from Jesus. So we've moved from silence to neglect from the people of God to just complete denial. Like this isn't for you yet, lady. The words of Jesus are communicating this. Have you ever experienced that? The silence from God, the rejection from his people, or the neglect from God and simply saying, this is not for you. And it brings her to a place where she has to make again a decision. 
Am I going to allow this moment that I've captured to simply be a moment of faith? Or am I going to double, triple, and quadruple down my heels into faithfulness and say, I'm not going anywhere until you touch me. I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. I'm not leaving you until you heal my daughter. And she responds to Jesus and she says, Lord, help me. Lord, I just need some help. You can feel her emotion. You can feel her desperation at this point. Before, she was just giving a basic synopsis of what was going on. And at this point, she's had the silence. She's had the segregation. She's had the denial. And she just says, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I just need some help. Some of you may need to make that prayer today. Those can be the most powerful words you utter this morning. Is, Lord, I just need some help. Despite her plea, despite her emotional plea, Jesus continues to reject her. And he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And at this point, you are expecting her to leave the presence of Jesus. You are expecting her to go back to her daughter and said, I gave it all I got. I tried as much as I could, but he cannot do anything. But she says in return to Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, even the dogs get the crumbs. Jesus has just called this lady a dog. This is one of the most difficult texts to preach and teach about. Some people think, you know, Jesus turning over the tables is hard and it's, it's hard to digest. Absolutely. But you can kind of get away with that because, you know, he's protecting the house. He's emphasizing prayer. But Jesus is like, hey, lady, you're a dog. And, and, and I, I'm not taking the food from the master's table and giving it to the dog. What does she do with this offense? What does she do with the silence of God, the segregation from the people of God, the dismissal from God, and then just the language from God? How dare he? Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever experienced pain? Have you ever experienced silence? See, this is where the level of faith, you'll either retreat to your old ways or you'll say, you know what, Lord, I'm not in it for the hype. I'm not in it for the noise. And despite how people treat me, despite how I feel, despite what I'm thinking about, despite my emotions, despite someone calling me a certain name, I'm going to show up on Sunday. I'm going to get on my knees Monday through Saturday. I'm going to continue to give. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to serve the Lord with all I've got because I'm not going to take no for an answer. What is it with this woman? who simply will not take no for an answer. And she says, yet even the dogs eat from the master's table. What faithfulness from this woman. We can learn something from this woman, church. During the time of COVID, during the height of the pandemic, we were traveling internationally as a family. And my wife and I were kind of on our way to the airport walking at the desks to, to where they're going to scan our tickets and whatnot. And I'm kind of half asleep, bringing the luggage and everything, not paying attention. And as soon as we get to the counter, my wife utters these words to the person. She says, we don't have our COVID test results yet. Can we still travel? And everything within me was like, bring that back, bring that back, bring that back. 
please do not tell me that you just said that. Everything within me was like, no, please bring that back. And the guy simply said, hey, sorry, you cannot travel until you have that. We're so, so sorry. We've already paid for the flights and everything. And we sat in the airport for an hour, and I told my wife, don't say a word. <laughs> and I went back to that desk, and I simply gave them our tickets, gave them our passports. They asked nothing about the COVID test. They asked nothing about the vaccine, nothing about the 17 boosters, anything like that. They, they simply got us onto the plane, and we were on our merry way. That is an example of just persistence and faith. And what it represents is having a conversation, having a negotiation. This woman will not take no for an answer. She doesn't just make her request known to God, but she has a conversation with him. She has a negotiation with him. She has a persistence about her with him. And my question to you today is, are you having a conversation with God? In the face of silence, in the face of segregation, in the face of denial, will you remain steadfast to your relationship with God? This is our call. This is our opportunity where we are not going to leave until he blesses us, where we are going to wrestle with God all night long, that when we feel his nudge, when we feel his presence, we will get on our knees and we will say, I am not leaving until I get what I need from God. It's going to take more than just coming to church once a month, church. It's going to take more than just giving 20 bucks here and there. It's going to take a faithfulness, a commitment, a radical discipleship to our creator, to our God. Some of you are wondering, why am I not getting my healing? Why am I not getting my provision? Why am I not getting this or that? It's not because God is not able, because, but because possibly we're not faithful. We must demonstrate a level of faithfulness to our God, church. A man by the name of William Seymour, a pastor out there in Los Angeles many years ago, was experiencing a revival in his church, was experiencing a move of God in such a way that it ended up being the inception of what we know today as the Assemblies of God, which is what our church is a part of. And I'll never forget studying about this man and hearing his testimony and story. After he experiences this revival, he goes to Bible school to get educated and to try to organize what is now the Assemblies of God. And would you believe that as he approached the Bible school, they said, you can attend, we will admit you, but you have to put your desk outside in the hallway. We will open up the door and let you listen in on what we have to say about God. This man could have easily in that moment said, absolutely not. I'm going back home. This is not for me. But despite this neglect, despite this segregation, despite them telling him you have to sit in the hallway. He said, I'm going to stay right here. I know what God has called me to. I know what he is capable to do in my life. I know I have a call, a purpose, a design for my life. And he stayed right there and he began to lead what was now known as the assemblies of God. My question to you is, what are you giving up on too soon? What are you giving up on too soon? Does your daughter need to be healed? Does your son need to come home? Does your marriage need to be restored? What are you giving up on so soon? May I encourage you, church, not to be just a church of faith, but a church of faithfulness, where we're not just in it for the moment, but we're in it for the longevity. 
where despite the silence on a Monday or on a Tuesday, you say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep believing that God is good. I'm going to keep believing that he's going to heal. I'm going to keep believing that he's going to provide. I'm going to keep believing that he's coming again, despite what my eyes see. Because we walk by faith, church, not by sight. This woman says, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. The silence I've experienced, the segregation from the people of God, the disapproval from God saying, this isn't for you quite yet. She says, I'm not going anywhere. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. We give up so soon, church. We quit things all the time. We, we stop things all the time. May we stay committed to our God. He acknowledges our faithfulness. He tells the lady, great is your faith. Your desire has made her well. Great is your faith. We sing this all the time. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great are you, Lord. And absolutely, God is great. His faithfulness is great. That is something to be sung about. But great is her faith. It's not just about the great power and the great faithfulness of God, but it's also about our faithfulness too, church. Are we committed? Are we committed? This is our call. This is my plea. Stay rooted in the house of God. Stay rooted in the word of God. That when you see nothing, when you feel nothing, you declare the promises of God over your life and your family, church. Say this with me. Say, put me in the game. Coach, put me in the game. Coach, Father, we come to you right now. And we acknowledge, Father, that we have given up way too soon. We have given up on a marriage way too soon. We have given up on committing ourselves to a life group or to a small group way too soon. We have given up on committing ourselves to your word way too soon. We repent from this, God, and we say, no, Lord, I will not leave until you bless me. I will stand at this altar until you bless me. I will stack doctor report after doctor report until you heal me. I will declare the faithfulness and the goodness over my life despite what my eyes can see. We acknowledge your goodness, God. We acknowledge your power. And we say, I'm not going anywhere until you touch me. In Jesus' name, we declare this. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you, church. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.